passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Give me a plaque after all I've done for you for 25 years, and you give me, wow, you give me a plaque. Everybody's out here thanking everybody. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's true. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The only person in the world I need to thank is me, because I did it all. I did it all by myself. I didn't need any of you. I didn't need my family members. I didn't need anyone but me. No one. There's not one person in the world that's ever helped me. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the four-week anniversary of post-wrestling. I am John Pollock alongside Wei Ting. Mm-hmm. Broadcasting to you from two venues. No, we're just going to do one because oh, sure? anything more than that gets a little too ambitious. All right. Oh, my God. We literally do the opposite way because I hate doing it from two separate places. I like doing it together. You're right. Yes. I always insist. I actually prefer it on Skype. You do? Yeah, I do. Why? You just don't like me coming over? No, I like... I mean, they're both... I hate it. They're both nice. I actually prefer Skype just because... Because um, I think when we take out body language, it makes it much more of a pure audio communication. See, I feel when we're together, we have a much more normal conversation with one another because I... And I don't talk over you. I don't interrupt you because I know when you're about to speak... I just think it's it's much more free flowing when you're with someone. That's that's a good point. I think I'm always somebody who prefers to not look at the people that I'm talking to, though. Oh, like, you don't have to look at me. When I when I drive, I tend to have much better conversations with people because I'm looking forward rather than having to like. Sit I drive here every time. We can just go in my car uh, and we could just drive for an hour. I suppose we could do that, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Maybe I just get, like, get distracted looking at people. Oh, I do have that effect. I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, now I feel guilty. I feel I should just leave. Yeah. Why don't you just, like, go back <laughs> Turn home. around and look look elsewhere. No, I like both. I like both. But um, You know what? But I prefer Skype, personally. You know what? With Skype, I always feel we're one second away from just the connection dying. Yeah. Losing a file or something like that. That's very possible. I mean, that could happen here, too. I, I guess it could, but it never Mics has, go so out. It's, it's not a real concern. Yeah, mics have gone out. That's true. That That has happened. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into the, the big edition of Raw. Um, big week coming up. It is Royal Rumble week uh, on post-wrestling. And we got a lot of shows coming up. Just mm-hmm. wanted to outline for everybody uh, what we have planned. Uh, Tuesday night, we'll be back. Rewind to SmackDown, which we do on Skype. So, <laughs> Way's, that's Way's favorite show. Thank goodness. Uh, Wednesday, 
We're going to have, uh, I'm going to be joined by WH Park and him and I, uh, I'm going to get his thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom, tie that up. And then we're going to look at the new beginning cards that are kicking off this weekend with two shows from Sapporo. Thursday, we've got the British Wrestling Experience, two weeks in a row. Uh, they will be back this week and then they will be on alternating weeks with Keep It 2000. It's a very special double week back to back weeks of extra British, experience of the British wrestling experience and that that is primarily due to a scheduling error on our part so apologies to those guys but uh, you all benefit as a result you can never have so. too much of the uh, the lads with accents yes friday one of our biggest shows ever way it is rewind away mm-hmm. on wrestlemania x8 which we all attended yes in a year where 18 was not a number that existed, it was X8. X8. And I was uh, at my parents' house over the weekend, and I uncovered this box. I was going through old stuff, and I found, I used to as a child, I would save like the sports section for like something important, like the, the Jays win the World Series or something like that. And I had saved a bunch of stuff around WrestleMania week, and I was looking at all this stuff, and it was just amazing awesome. just to read some of this stuff. I know. It was unbelievable. You've been Instagramming a lot of it. Well, I'm going to be Instagramming every day leading up to this show on That's Friday. So at I am John Pollock, folks, for some rare Toronto-centric media, including Mike Harris putting Carl DeMarco in a headlock. A fake headlock. A fake, a fake chokehold way <laughs> that the, the captioner felt necessary to... Mm. Uh, make sure no one thought this was a real chokehold and Carl DeMarco was about to be put out by the premier of Ontario, Mike Harris. So that's coming up on Friday. Looking forward to that one. What's also coming out on Friday? Locally, if you happen to be in the Toronto area and if you are wanting to experience some Royal Rumble festivities live and in person, Jason Agnew is holding his next edition of his two-strike show, that is wrestling themed. This one is called, of course, Rumble Strikes. That's right. It's happening Friday night, 11 p.m. at Comedy Bar, 945 Bloor Street West. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself, Wei Ting, he will be there. Uh, a lot of people are going to be there. I think I think um, Braden will probably be there. Bartender Dave will probably be there. Uh, Dan the Mouth Lavransky, maybe. Might, might be there. Maybe, maybe. But yes, many of us will be there. That's the big event Friday night. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday night, Way you are away for NXT TakeOver. So, this is breaking news for Way as well. Mm-hmm. It will be myself, Braden Harrington, and Bartender Dave reviewing TakeOver. It's actually not breaking news. I actually saw them last night. <laughs> you, uh, actually, it is breaking news because really? uh, we had to go through some logistics today. And at one point, it was not going to happen. Oh, really? But then we, we sorted out those details. Well, I'm glad. Yes. I'm glad. So we have all three of us to review TakeOver. And then Sunday night, we are going to be reviewing the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. So that is a huge week. Uh, postwrestling.com. And those that sign up uh, for the Post Wrestling Cafe uh, might get uh, some added shows mm-hmm. over the weekend because we've also got the New Beginning shows from Sapporo. So there is so much stuff happening this weekend. So much. You will you will not be sad from not hearing us. No. I nearly died on the weekend from UFC and Bellator. Oh, I didn't I didn't ne- I didn't really die. Yeah, you kind of like just those pauses kind of had me really concerned. No, not literal death, a mental death. Okay. 
I, fi- I finished that on Saturday. My plan was watch UFC and then watch Bellator. I'm not going to try and flip back and forth. It'll just be too difficult. Mm-hmm. So I finished the UFC card at 1 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then I started Bellator. And I finished that at about 3.30 in the morning to then do the post show, which ended up going an hour. And then I uploaded Great job, it. by the way. Oh, thank you. Did you listen? Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, I did that. And then I went to sleep at about 4.30, 4.45 in the morning. And I was wrecked the next day. I had an MMA hangover from watching MMA from 7 p.m. until 3.30 in the morning. That's rather unfortunate. Now, imagine if both those events were to be scheduled this week. Not possible. Like, I won't. The UFC has a card on Fox on Saturday night. Oh, they do. I will not see that until Monday at the earliest. How much interest it really is there, I suppose. Very little. Yeah. Very little. But there's a growing contingent of people who are sick of the woos at MMA events. And they're in Charlotte on Saturday, so buckle up. To oh, I didn't the... realize that was a thing in MMA now. It's, it's, the woos? Oh, they've always been around. But I guess they're more prevalent now, and people are getting really upset at the audience. When do they occur? They're exactly. like the This Is Awesome chant to MMA fans now. Like, are they in reference to Ric Flair? Well, it's it's Ric Flair is the... Origin. But are people chopping each other all of a sudden? On, at no, UFC it's shows? just people chanting. Like, I don't see the big deal. Like, who cares? It's like the audience is making noise. I don't care. I'd mm. rather that than they'd be sitting on their hands. I, I, I await the first This Is Awesome chant at an MMA show. It'll permeate yeah. one of these days. Or you fucked up. Um, not a good segue here, but I feel we should talk about the Enzo story before we start the Raw review because mm-hmm. that was the biggest story on Monday. Um, there were allegations made online against Enzo by a female who has not identified herself and is alleging that she was raped last October. Uh, this would have happened in Arizona. And uh, she she posted uh, her statement, and you can see that up on our website. And I reached out to the WWE for a statement. They had sent uh, one out to the media that he has been suspended while they... Uh, investigate this and a police report was filed at the time by this woman the investigation is still ongoing filed back in october when filed the incident occurred back in october yes and uh i know ryan satin and sean ross sap uh, did some excellent reporting on mm-hmm. monday about this story and the phoenix police department stated that they are still waiting for some results to come back some lab work so the investigation is ongoing and looks to be uh, concluding but the WWE has officially suspended Enzo, and I would imagine not a chance he's going to be on Sunday's Royal Rumble card any longer and will be gone indefinitely. And that's the latest. There's not a whole lot more to say. Um, Enzo, uh, which it's weird to call them by that name under this circumstance, mm-hmm. but he hasn't issued any kind of a statement as of yet. Mm-hmm. And when he does, we will certainly print that. Yep. And so. thus, no Cruiserweight match on tonight's show. Uh, unless you were at the Manhattan Center. No Cruiserweight title match. No Cruiserweight title match. That's right. Mm-hmm. So are you ready to get into this show? That I am. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewind Around with John Pollock and Waiting the 18. That makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around for Monday night. Download a Tuesday morning from the Post Wrestling site. It's Rewind Around for Monday night on USA Now on the John and Wait. 
Did you watch any of the pre-show or did you just watch Raw? I watched uh, half of the pre-show. I did watch the pre- I had the pre-show on like in the background. I wasn't uh, intently watching it. Um, but just some of the things here. We had Charlie interview the APA and they were outside their makeshift office mm-hmm. with the door. And they lost the key to the door. <laughs> so they had to go find a key or they had to go find the locksmith while Charlie watched the door. And I was like... That's pretty lame. I'm sure they have way better material for the rest of the evening. <laughs> and we never got an answer to this damn key. They were just back in the office on on Raw. Eric Bischoff joined the panel, which consisted of Renee Young, Peter Rosenberg, and David Otunga. And there was one cutaway to Sam Roberts out there with all the fans. He did like a four-minute throw pitching like to a video and like going over all these highlights of Raw. Was it The Miz? Uh, I don't even know what he threw to, but it was just like, I was very impressed that he did. This was like four minutes of WWE speak, Mm -hmm. of just going through all these historical moments, and I have to imagine he didn't even have a teleprompter because this was outside. I was very impressed. I guess so, yeah. If that's what you aspire to do, then yes. That is quite impressive. Um, Bailey is backstage and she's broadcasting live on Twitter Mm -hmm. and live. She runs into someone off camera and she's like, I'm, I'm live. Can I, can I turn? And it's Trish Stratus Mm. and Bailey is losing her mind. And with all due respect, Mm -hmm. the biggest dork you have ever watched, just lose her mind for Trish Stratus. She, her only instruction must have been pretend that you're 12 years old from the way you talk and interact with Trish to the way you're trembling in her presence. Bailey could not have felt like, I know that there was a charm to this character in NXT when she was the super fan. It was just weird. Mm. <laughs> this was idol worship by Bailey. Actually, and they should have had Mickey do that. <laughs> that have been a nice callback or, or, um, Bailey's with Trish and then Mickey just pops up from behind like oh. a, a case like you see her eyes like yeah. Vince at that uh, the Hogan match yeah. hmm. that was the pre-show and then it ended with uh, Shane and Stephanie were uh, coming out for their entrances but you couldn't see them we were just on the panel and then the show began so Raw begins and we've got Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler with the big siren sound effect from the Manhattan Center and then they threw to the Barclays Center, and this crowd, this was, I thought, this is going to be the hottest Raw of all time. This was a post-WrestleMania-level crowd. This, to me, was, this was louder than some post-Mania Raws. When this started, I was like, this is going to be, just, like, everyone's going to be super over. This crowd is so excited for this show. Mm-hmm. They can't fuck it up. That's what I literally thought to myself. I was like, this is an unfuck upable show. Unfuck up about. Oh, every segment's going to be so much better with this really hot crowd in front of it. Oh, wait. At both venues. What was your excitement for this show? Like, you know, a, a, as was... you're tuning in, you're sitting down to watch a, three hours. A week out, I wasn't all that excited for it. But then, like, the hours leading up to it, watching the bit of that preview show, I mean, it really felt like it was a special occasion, knowing all the names that were going to be on. And uh, all the way up until the, at least this segment, I was quite excited for this whole uh, three hours. So... Jim Ross and Jerry pitched to the Barclays Center as they say, don't forget about us. 
and we go to Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and Booker T. And they welcome us. Michael Cole, completely rehabilitated. He is fine. He was fine as of Tuesday. I didn't know if they were going to necessarily tie that in. Like that was maybe that was like a separate world, the mixed oh, match really? challenge. That's on Facebook Watch, which not too many people watched live. Shane and Stephanie are in the ring. Shane thanks all the superstars that have stepped through the ropes over the past 25 years, probably with the exception of a handful. And he mentions the unsung heroes, the production people, the cameramen, the employees. And then they throw to the Fallout Boy video. Did you watch this before? Because they posted this on Sunday, actually. Uh, yes. This video was awesome. Great video. Uh-oh. Just go go to Townway. You're listen, the production listen. guy. The song. Oh, I, I, I'm way by kidding. WWE standards. Listen, Fallout Boy falls no. under that umbrella, but this was it's, not. It's not because it's Fallout Boy or anything. I like that Creed, the My Sacrifice shit. It's Creed, and it's some of the best stuff they've ever done. What do you Limp have to Biscuit. say about Creed? Limp Bizkit. It's like the, 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 It's not. It's not really like the band. It's it's the song, and I feel yes. like something like this was like had so many great nostalgic moments in it. This song didn't really feel like that. It wasn't necessarily a, a reflective type of type of song that I think would have really accentuated a lot of the footage here. They matched up the lyrics about a cage with Kurt doing the moonsault off the cage, and that was about where the tie-ins ended uh, with this show, but, with this song. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I liked the video a Good lot. Good video, yes. I could, you know, great, great. I mean, look at all the footage they have to to work with. I think the right. one big thing they they missed in the video, which tonally doesn't exactly fit but they did put serious moments in this and that's obviously the Owen Hart show which I think is the most famous edition of Raw ever. Mm. They named that their yeah. number one moment when they listed the mo on what? one of their lists years ago. Oh okay. I, I mean they did a special leading up to this one and it was Austin. Yeah th this was years ago they did a top whatever number yeah. maybe it was the 10th anniversary i don't know but they listed oh. the owen show among their top they really did moment. not really they didn't mention the the eddie tribute show you know no real mention of of death beyond kind of um the warrior, warrior kind of bit. yeah yeah um and maybe for a, a music video those don't necessarily fit but when i think of raw uh the owen and eddie shows are among the shows you'd think of immediately so they come back and Stephanie says that they're just getting started after 25 years and they have one person to truly thank that made Raw a success and introduces Vince McMahon, who this audience treated as uh, Jesus Christ himself mm -hmm. uh, coming back from the dead. He walks out to an enormous reaction. Cole calls him the creator of the most iconic show in history. Okay. Just one yeah, of those nights. Sure. Just Sure. We're just going to throw it all out there. Mm -hmm. He comes in, he hugs Shane, he hugs Stephanie, and he immediately tries to shut down the chance of thank you, Vince, which Stephanie goes to point out what they are stating. And he says that tonight he's going to take some time to smell the roses. And then he literally sniffed the oxygen in front of him and said, I'm done smelling the roses. They present him, Stephanie says, with a special present that they raised money for with a GoFundMe account. <laughs> and she brings out this plaque, a mahogany plaque, mind you. They said that the GoFundMe account didn't raise a whole lot. So this is all they got, a plaque. And Vince is not impressed with the plaque. He says it looks cheap, just like Brooklyn. 
and the whole crowd turns on him. And it wasn't so much a... It was almost like, okay, we are being instructed that he is the villain in this segment, and we're all going to boo this man. Absolutely. Because they just turned on a dime here. I, I just love that uh, somebody decided to use GoFundMe as a way to include everybody to uh, be the antagonist for this uh, plaque for Vince McMahon to cut a heel promo on. Um, and I just, like, I want... I want to see the interaction because I know they're doing like a, what is it, a like WWE 24 special on this show, right? They were filming a 24 special, yeah. So I just want to see like the writer or Stephanie explain to Vince McMahon, GoFundMe. He, there's no way he heard of GoFundMe before today. No. But uh, I, I, I mean, I thought it played well into this whole thing. GoFundMe? Yeah. Kickstarter. So Vince is not impressed with this. He talks about plaque is what is on your teeth and it clogs your arteries and he cuts a promo about how shitty this gift is he has one person to thank and it's himself the whole crowd chants asshole at him and this cues steve austin's theme to hit another huge reaction he comes out everyone's chanting what and vince tells him about his old age he's got arthritis he has a heart murmur he lives in a retirement community and he's now a senior citizen he came up short on stating that he has early signs of CTE after the Kevin Owens angle <laughs> and says, but Shane here, Shane's in his prime. And Austin takes Shane's arm and turns him around to all the members of the crowd and he stuns Shane. And Vince has some beers for Austin, says, I completely understand why you did that to Shane. And it builds up to a stunner on Vince with Austin delivering the lightest kick ever to the gut of any guy and Vince is stunned then another stunner to Shane and this is our 20 minute opening segment a lot of people were critical that you didn't get an Austin promo on this show this was his only presence on the show but of the guest appearances this was the biggest I love this segment I was thoroughly entertained and I thought the star in this segment was a 70 something year old year old Vince McMahon who I I mean still shows that he is a fantastic performer even, like, when he's finally done his day-to-day -day business, I think, like, the occasional Stan Lee type of cameo from Vince McMahon playing kind of this, like, angry old grandfatherly type of, type of uh, pissed-off man would be a great character that I'd really look forward to occasionally popping up. But, um, like, man commanded the crowd incredibly well, took the GoFundMe thing and just completely ran with it. And Austin here kind of had just sort of a silent performance. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's, he didn't need to talk here. You know what I mean? It was like, it was Vince leading the segment. And then Austin was the guy with the gun that, uh, you know, being the, being the stunner, you knew he was going to deliver the stunners, but it was kind of more about seeing how he would delay and still manage to surprise you. And I, I overall, I, I thought this segment really lived up to kind of the expectations that this show set. For the audience you were trying to capture for this show, this was probably the best way to start the show with uh, heavy on nostalgia. This is the most famous feud in Raw history. And Austin and McMahon hadn't really had that much interaction. When was the last time these two were in the ring together? Maybe Raw 1000? I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of hard to think about. 
It's been a long time. Yeah. I thought Vince was great here. I think mm-hmm. over the last number of years, um, his exper- his live performances have been, you're almost waiting for just things to fall apart where he would get lost. Mm-hmm. He was, um, you know, he had the Owens segment, which I think was much more Owens than Vince. But yeah, in this segment, I mean, this was Vince, I think, channeling that mm-hmm. that character of 20 years ago uh, back to a degree. I mean, he's yeah. very much the, he's almost like a, a parody of himself now. That's the Vince McMahon character. Yeah, but I think like Vince is at his best when he's playing a heel and when he has a great baby face to play in front of. And there's, I mean, these two, there's no one he had better chemistry with than, yeah, there's, there might be not, there might not be a better pairing uh, uh, for of chemistry than Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. And uh, anyway, I, what I'd look forward to seeing on that 24 special is to see like the reaction backstage from people watching this because n- you have to figure like guys like Balor and whoever, like the whole locker room grew up watching this feud. And I'm sure everybody backstage was glued. Oh, I'd love house. a locker room cam yeah. for through the whole show for people to react on the utilization of some people. Sure. So how do you follow that up? We got Nia Jax, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, and Alicia Fox taking on Sasha Banks, Bailey, Mickey James, and Asuka. And everyone brawls at the start before the bell rings. Cole repeats that Paige is out of the rumble due to a neck injury. Asuka attacked Deville with kicks. They go through a commercial break. Sasha's in, and they get the heat on her for a very long time. Uh, Alicia delivers her Northern Light suplex. They continue with the heat on Sasha, and they go to a second commercial break. They come back, they brawl to the floor, and Sasha just applies, hits the bank statement, and taps out Alicia at 12 minutes and 4 seconds, which, in my head going into this show, I was just wondering, how do you structure this show with all the different elements? And I would not have envisioned that they would have done a two-segment eight-woman tag match for 12 minutes of the 195 minutes you would be filling it up with. It was certainly unnecessary. And I think more so the fact that they chose... Okay, so they had Alicia Fox in there. And um, I know... Like, I'd love to talk to Vince McMahon about his philosophy. Do you want to call? Sure, yeah. Hey, Vince, you there? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're not doing that? No, I was meaning literally call. Can I but... get Gabe on the line? <laughs> anyway. Um... We're live at the Hammerstein <laughs> Ballroom, the home of Final Battle. <laughs> That's right. Um, but no, they had Alicia in there. And like, I'd love to talk to Vince about his philosophy on like the headlocks and the chin locks in every match. And um, so like you had two commercial breaks in this 12 minute match. Six so so that'd be 6 minutes half of this match was not seen. Yet so often they decide to come back from commercial break just to give you the headlock portion of the match. And you had Alicia here deliver like 3 minutes of headlock for for 6 minutes of a match that we we were we were treated to to watching on live TV and I just couldn't you have saved that, those 3 minutes exactly for commercial? So this was not a great match. Doesn't I mean doesn't really affect my interest in the in the rumble any either way, but it on a show like this it definitely took the crowd down. Oh, it took the crowd the crowd never got to the the level of the beginning of this show after mm-hmm. this. And that's not a slight uh it was just the women's match, but it was it was just like an air was kind of let out uh, as the show continued and it never reached um the opening segment which understandably you set the bar high with that kind of star power 
But there was a lot of star power on this show. So that to me is not a crutch to say that you didn't have big things left in the show. Asuka then attacks her teammates and dumps them all over the top rope to end the segment. And that was like the go-home segment for the Women's Rumble. Mm -hmm. That was it. It's more than the men got. The men got an Elias song. Kurt Angle is backstage with one of the referees. And he said, tonight is about celebration, not chaos. He can't afford another incident with Braun Strowman. And we got the the always closing door, which just repeatedly was knocked on. First, Jonathan Coachman enters. Then Harvey Whippleman, the Brooklyn Brawler. Teddy Long, who came in dancing, which the highlight of this was Kurt trying to dance with Teddy. Unbelievably awkward. Mm -hmm. Then Brother Love came in, and this place exploded for Brother Love. (laughs) Exploded. Who would have thought? Like, I guess it kind of tells you exactly the type of crowd. And, I mean, obviously, from from the success of his podcast. It's, uh, you know? 100%. So, um, yeah, who would have thought, like, I mean... He got, he got one of the loudest reactions on this show. Yeah. That is not a stretch. The key to staying relevant, I suppose, is to do a podcast. Man, so <laughs> if you show up, Way, for Raw, uh, the 30th anniversary, Way, it could be enormous. So the boogeyman was the last one, eating worms, and then he placed worms into Coach's hand. Uh, Richard, by the way, threw in a bit of Jerry Jared in there with, uh, with a well, you know. Oh, did he? Yeah, he I didn't did. even catch that. So this whole thing ends with Coach holding these worms to set up Michael Cole's line. How did Coach worm his way in here? Uh, Yeah. And these Uh, were the kinds of segments we got throughout the night. Of just shoehorning in as many people. I think I heard the number was 33 people were invited for this Raw. Unfortunately, really lazy. Because when I think you look at so many of of the people that you have to play with... I mean... Oh, there were some egregious ones to come. The thing is, like, when you see all these combinations, you... If you're... Lo- like, the, the the benefit of these shows is that you can kind of... You're, you're supposed to rely on nostalgia, and you're supposed to kind of draw on all these old connections of, uh, uh, I don't know, wrestlers that hadn't seen each other in a long time, or maybe new wrestlers that have a lot to do with, with their kind of, like, uh, counterparts from the past that you could make really interesting combinations of. And they managed to do that with a lot of the obvious ones, you know, like like the Balor Club and, and the Click. But there are segments like this where there was no rhyme or reason to include anybody in, in the same room. And as a result, you kind of just had, I don't know, just a slideshow of like, hey, this person was in the room here backstage. Here they are. I'd be curious how long they had to write this show. Because watching this, it felt like they had the same amount they'd have for any other week's Raw. Like, where this, the, the script probably wasn't even finalized till over the weekend. Maybe. It just felt like it was more a logistical script of working in all these numbers. So everything, it was like a jigsaw puzzle rather than a cohesive written show. But, but they knew all these names. They announced all these names, like, at least a week out. Like, how, how do you explain when you have... Some of these names, and I'm not sure. And I'm not arguing Harvey Whippleman needed a better position. This yes, was fine. There, there were cameo roles, but then you had stars as well mm-hmm. that were reduced to cameo roles mm-hmm, right. that were just unnecessary. Uh, throughout the night, they showed still shots of different raw moments to the various themes, and 
we go back to the Manhattan Center because we were broadcasting from the Manhattan Center as well. Lawler says he liked the women's match, but he's waiting for some puppies here. In a comment that probably has no place on a 2018 broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the tits, was essentially what Jerry Lawler was I informing really, us. I mean, I don't really mind it. Like, this was, this, he was supposed to play the old Jerry Lawler. You know, puppies is sort of like a, his 90s catchphrase, and, and JR scolded him for it. He did. You're right. Yeah. Then uh, we had a video feature on The Undertaker going through all his moments, all his WrestleMania opponents, feuds, and the gong goes off inside the Manhattan Center, which probably woke up half of the people in attendance who had been left here for 45 minutes mm-hmm. to just watch Raw on TV, except they got to pay an exorbitant fee to do so. By the way, I thought they did a great job replicating that set and, and those shots in, in, that, in the Manhattan Center. The set design was the biggest takeaway from... Uh, the Manhattan Center portion, like right down to Ico Pro banners. Uh, Ico Pro, like everything looks exactly the same, and I wonder how what that says about the Manhattan Center. Like, in, I mean, it is. I guess like, it doesn't look all menu. that different. You don't have to dress up too much, no. but even the, even the flashing WWE sign at yeah. the end, like the crappy looking entrance, but the light, the red, white, and blue ropes, everything, the refs, exactly the same. Yeah. Also. They have that formula down now because of those old school Raws that right. they at least have a template to work off of. It's not as though... I, I feel that if they didn't have that reference point, mm-hmm. like this felt like a very rushed together anniversary show uh, on mm. the the Brooklyn side that I wonder if that attention to detail would have been there. I think production-wise, they, they always knew what they wanted to do, but maybe... I think we're just trying to make excuses too for maybe just poor writing, you know? Well, there was a lot of that. So The Undertaker comes out. I thought one of the best parts of the show was just Howard Finkel announcing The Undertaker. Never shown on I camera. didn't even rec- recognize that. They wow. didn't even show him on camera. Oh, man. Which was unfortunate. But he introduced The Undertaker. And to me, seriously, that was one of the best moments on the whole show. It was the just camera him. Camera on him would have been just... Can't do that way. Right. Can't do that. Yeah. Uh, one woman in the crowd, they shot her and it looked like she was crying. Yeah, I saw that. Too. Yeah, it wasn't just me. I she looked like she was in tears here. Like the is the Undertaker? Does he elicit that response? Well, he, the man did kind of fade into the, I guess. Um, she clearly hasn't followed wrestling retirements too closely. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, so somebody uh, mentioned that um, Taker when he retired, quote unquote, he left his like hat and boots in the ring. Did yes. He, did and he didn't come up wearing that. But did no, he, he had the robe with the hood. The robe was that what he wore? He wasn't. He didn't wear it to WrestleMania. Not this year, right? Well, he wore a robe, I think. Right. Okay. Anyway, maybe you can find a photo. Well, he did not bring back the hat and and gloves. So he retired his gear. <laughs> yes. He got a new wardrobe. He retired That's that, all. He retired that look. You guys just took this. I'm yeah. just getting a new fall line. <laughs> exactly. It's a new season. Uh, <laughs> Uh, hats and gloves are hats so... are out, man. Yeah. That's it. No, he said the carnage <laughs> began on this sacred ground 25 years ago. He dismantled legends, mentioning Austin Foley and Kane. They all tried and failed. On this sacred ground, he says, "I declare for all of those who have fallen, it is truly time to rest in peace." As the crowd chanted, "One more match," and he just left. He said, "Fuck you." I thought a hundred percent. An angle was being shot later in the night at Barclays Center. So you think that he's gone and he's not even at Barclays Center. Mm. Nothing. 
No big angle shot. And I thought that was a big, there was one big angle on this show Mm -hmm. with Cena, but it wasn't a WrestleMania angle. And I thought they blew a big opportunity with what will probably be their biggest audience of the year. I think this will be bigger than the night after Mania. So, but this is operating under the assumption that Taker Cena is happening, right? I'm just saying in general, a big angle should have been shot. I don't care what your direction is for WrestleMania. I think. With this audience, you shouldn't squander that. It's true, but that's part of the problem of doing a show like this as part of your go-home show for a big pay-per-view that you have coming up on Sunday. Do you want to confuse the audience by teasing them with the WrestleMania match the week before? Well, they already made the decision on this show that the Rumble wasn't a priority outside of the title match. That was the only match pushed on this show. Mm-hmm. So you have all that real estate. It's like, use it for something. I don't need yeah. to see a million fucking card games. <laughs> That that's certainly true. How many? How many? <laughs> that was like a four segment skit. Well, yeah, I know. And again, that's I thought was really lazy. I mean, I think the card game thing is cute. that was clearly just to get people on the show. I know it's cute for one segment, but to continually cut to it. Anyway, this Taker thing, um, it was really odd seeing the Undertaker walk out in front of this like corny looking set. Like Undertaker, who I think you know over the past 12, 10, 10, 15 years has been more known for his grand entrance. Okay. Dry ice, uh, druids, what, flames, lights out. You didn't even get lights out for this. It was just like gong, and then here he comes, the Undertaker, this grandiose uh, mythical uh, creature, walking out in front of this cheesy LED WWE sign. It, and it it completely makes sense. Like, this man closed out the first edition of Raw. He should appear on this one. Um I, I don't know. There, there were a, a number of segments that were in Brooklyn that I thought would have played better to it the Manhattan really Center. It really would have played better. This, this was time. actually one I thought would have played better in Brooklyn. Yes, I agree. It felt like Taker coming out at like an ROH show. Um, and like I almost, it, like the setting almost required to me. Jay Lethal. <laughs> it almost required to me that they dress Taker in like the old outfit. Like with the with the, with the gray gloves and like... And everything, but that would have been too campy. Anyway, his promo, like, he doesn't really say anything. He's just like a generic taker promo, you know? Like, JR kind of at the end of this hinted of a warning, but I'd, I didn't read into that at all. I don't think it was designed for that. It, it, I think it was to give you the false sense that he's retired. Um, okay. And, and leave you with that going into Mania do you think season. He's, do you think he's coming back? Yes, I do. I mm. think he is doing a Mania match. Um, but, but, but I mean, the, but there was no hint of it really the, on the show. But yeah. I, I took this promo to be that hmm. this is going to be he's going to be brought out of retirement for that one last match. He didn't say that at all, though. I, I, at least I didn't. No, I he didn't said I vanquished everyone. Yeah. There's no one left, uh-huh. and and hmm. that it's time to to rest in peace. Hmm. So, and I mean, if they do go the Cena direction, I mean, it's not a first time match, but they've. They have not done that match on... Yeah, neither was, you know, uh, Hunter. Um, Hunter. Hunter, they did at a WrestleMania and they pretended it didn't happen. Even, Cena was like at a pay-per-view in 2003. Same with the Sean match when they did it. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's A lot of these matches are done to death, but at this point, everything kind of feels new again. So that was The Undertaker's presence on this show. And then we went to the first of many APA segments. They're in their office with Rhino and Heath Slater playing poker. They win the hand, and then there's a knock on the door. Lots of knocks throughout the night on doors. And we see a wad of cash thrown onto the table, and it's Ted DiBiase who wants in on the game. 
it's always kind of fun to see like who's kind of um in there like good graces again like who who often gets the call for like these types of shows and it's 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 usually a round of like the usual suspects do you know who didn't get a call who lita who pointed out that yeah. the commemorative chair featured her on it yeah i find that one though uh probably had some purpose because i expect her to be in the rumble on sunday oh you think maybe she was uh purposely de- deceiving people or that she legitimately didn't get the call and that maybe is because she is going to get the call on sunday yeah I don't know what the like her her situation is like with her neck. She can, if she's she can come in and jump over the top rope. Yeah. She has to do a moonsault though at least. Oh say. see see that's asking yeah. a lot. Especially in a rumble. Maybe she'll get the Mil Mascara spot. She can go to the top and then just dive to the floor. That Delita thing is still always there. I think that that's a golden opportunity. Yeah. Jojo introduces past general managers. John Laurinaitis is brought out. William Regal comes out. Eric Bischoff, who gets the biggest reaction mm-hmm. in his anniversary jeans. What? He wore jeans for this. Oh. Everyone else is dressed up. Well. Whatever. That's what, that's... And then, I don't know why, but th- this was for past Raw general managers, and they brought out Daniel Bryan, who was not a Raw GM, but he's the current SmackDown GM, so let's have him on the show. <laughs> No, totally unnecessary. It. They had a list of names they were given, and then they had to try to fit everybody in in the category that they best fit. And Daniel Bryan, for whatever reason, fit. Daniel Bryan's this. not a special. Like he, we'll see him tomorrow night. Daniel Bryan would have been would have fit great, I think, as Daniel Bryan. Hey, remember the guy who you know was known for this the the Occupy Raw thing. Like he's more that he has more relation. How did how did he not come out at the Manhattan Center? Well, he that wouldn't have made that big of a difference. Uh, you know what? That crowd, you don't get those crowds very often. That's your most passionate fan base that could make for some awesome television. And I was so looking forward to that. And I think that was such a gigantic swing and a miss tonight with an incredible audience that you could have sprinkled them with just a bit more than what you did and just put some of these segments into a different environment and the reaction would have been so different. This wouldn't have been any different though. Not this, not the general managers, but Daniel Bryan coming out for three minutes to address the crowd at the Manhattan Center would have been much bigger than this. Yeah, okay, maybe. Those people were salivating for anything. Yes, yes. They were there to just see anybody. Yeah, but this was a... I mean, I, I expected something. They, I expected them to do something with like the the laptop. Um, who are some other notable GMs that they've they've missed out on? No Vicky on this show. No Vicky. No AJ. Remember she was a, a GM. AJ uh, Lee was not on the show, though. CM Punk was shown in still yes, shot was. form. Yes, was. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was pretty much Brian's only. Uh, uh, but he did have a bit of an interaction here. The Miz Taraj came out, so the Miz had a stare down with Brian. They're for... really teasing me with this Daniel Bryan comeback. Again, like no reason. He's for like this. a top three favorite now to win the Rumble. Well, uh, probably a lot of disappointment on Sunday. Roman Reigns versus the Miz for the Intercontinental title. Reigns was booed heavily. Miz got the advantage early, sends Reigns to the floor. They go through the commercial. Miz gets a near fall using the rope for leverage when Reigns kicks out after running shoulder first into the post. 
Uh, Dallas then grabs Reigns' leg. This allows Miz to hit a running clothesline. This leads to Dallas and Axel being ejected. But before they leave, Reigns knocks them off the apron uh, with Superman punches, turns around and gets hit with the skull-crushing finale for a big near fall. And Michael Cole credits Reigns and Miz for bringing relevance back to the Intercontinental title. Reigns then is elbowing at Miz to stop another skull-crushing finale, goes for the running tackle into the corner, misses the Miz, and runs into the exposed turnbuckle, and Miz hits the skull-crushing finale and pins Roman at 13.25. Then they showed the replay that when Reigns was on the floor delivering a drive-by to Axel and Dallas, Miz just removed the turnbuckle and no one caught it. So that was the finish. I was very surprised Reigns lost this clean for a guy that they have gone. It wasn't, wasn't that clean. Exposed turnbuckle. Mm, it was cleaner than I thought. Mm. Like this yeah, was not. Because right, I mean, Reigns has been so protected. Oh, like, he's been unbeaten mm-hmm. this whole time going mm-hmm. into mania that I feel you would have needed like a football team to hold this guy down to get pinned. But I always thought that that was sort of like worrying too much about his reputation. I th- I don't think this hurts Roman at all. You know, losing like this. And that means Roman could have probably afforded a lot a lot more losses heading into Mania, if that's your ultimate goal. Um, I, I, the fact that they, like, they don't often do the exposed turnbuckle thing without showing it to, to let the audience I like know that. before. Me too. It came as a total surprise, and I thought it worked out really well. Because I thought well. I missed it. Yeah. And they, I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. So, Miz wins the title, and then we go back to our card game. More people have joined in. The Usos, MVP... Mm-hmm. And Jeff Hardy, who missed Physio, to come be not even a featured oh character in the poker segments. He just stood there. He stood there and didn't say a word. He did show up at the Manhattan Center, actually, uh, to the live crowd. Oh, he did? Yes. At what point? After Matt's match and hugged him. Oh, wow. They so had. He, so they, not only did he have to show up to this, he had to get... On the freeway, or however, the L train, or whatever you take. I think they might have pre-taped these card segments, because oh. Jeff was there not too long after this. and so The Miz was there, too. The Miz showed up as well for the live crowd. And Seth Rollins. Oh, I didn't know about Rollins. Yeah. Well, they all probably hopped on the same subway. Yeah, they Ubered. Yeah. Um, then we had the Peep Show. So Christian's in the ring. Mm-hmm. I was like, of all the things that we went out of our way to make sure we had, it was like an impromptu peep show here with Christian. He says he knows a lot about tag teams. He's a nine-time champion. And he welcomes out Jason Jordan and Seth freaking Rollins, which I think he takes as much enjoyment out of that nickname as I do because he really went out of his way to emphasize freaking. (laughs) The crowd just hated Jordan. Uh... Jordan says what an honor it is to be in Christian's presence, and he just milked the booze from the crowd. I, I thought very poised the way he plays off of yes, them. Yes, definitely. And he says that his dad doesn't suck, and he wants everyone to give Kurt a round of applause. This leads to Seamus and Cesaro coming out. They say state that Jordan sucks, not his dad, and then they do Kurt Angle's theme doing the You Suck chants, mm-hmm. which were popularized really took steam on the go-home Raw before WrestleMania 18, oh. where Edge, I think, introduced it on that show. Oh, where could I hear more about that? Well, uh, if you tune in to Rewind Away this Friday, patreon.com forward slash post-wrestling, I will, I will bring you all up to speed on 
the making of Edge versus Booker T, which took place six days before WrestleMania. Still waiting to see that Japanese shampoo commercial. When I watched that Raw, you would be amazed at how... We talk about this being kind of thrown together. How much of that WrestleMania card were just... Matches they just threw together oh on the go-home run. You don't have to tell me, dude, because like we're, co- we were coming off of X7, which was the best show of all time, and anyway, we'll talk about it on... Save all this. Save this. It'll be my therapy session like <laughs> 20 years later. Anyway, so it, la- it ended in a big brawl. Rollins did a suicide dive to Sheamus. Then he came back and went for the springboard knee, missed Cesaro, and took out Jordan. And that was our final angle for the tag title match on Sunday. So the idea is that these are the tag team champions are not on the same page. They can't get along, so how will they conquer the bar? Big questions. And mm-hmm. on the list of like interesting things on this show, this was a complete afterthought. Oh, I thought you were going to say this was one of the no. more memorable things no. on this show, which no. I wouldn't even argue. Charlie interviewed Alexa Bliss. And Charlie, like, okay, sorry, sorry, go, sorry go, back. go back, but it's just like what there were, there was. I think I just feel like there's so much ability to uh, have some um, a match like this interact with your legends that you have appearing on the show, and the best that they could come up with was we'll have Christian out there and basically play Renee Paquette, like hand hold a mic. That's all he did. They, they printed those signs. They advertised this as a, a, the peep show, sure. But in the end, what did he do? He Did he even ask a question? How great would it have been, just for a fun segment, that Jordan is backstage with Kurt, and he says, I've, I've been undergoing some training for my big tag title match. Let me sh- introduce you to Team Jordan. And they had Haas and Benjamin walk in, just for a cameo with Jason Jordan. <laughs> kind of weird with Yeah, Shelton, Shelton it's kind of... I didn't, even, one I, didn't even, I didn't even one put night. that connection together. The fact that, like, Shelton took the spot of... Jason guess, Jordan. Yeah. I just thought it'd be funny. Kind of kind of neat. Just for one night. Yeah. Listen, that that is more creative yes. idea than fucking let's bring out... Ah, these were women that were on the show. Yeah. So that was the end of the peep show. Alexa Bliss interview with Charlie. Charlie asked, do you think you'll still be champion by WrestleMania? Alexa said, nah, probably not. No, she cut a promo on Charlie. She says she's not just a champion, she's a goddess. And then Andre the Char- the Charlotte walked in. Oh yeah, she's she's she towers over. She's Alexa. a f- foot taller than Alexa. Mm-hmm. Minimum. Yeah, I mean this looked legit. Alexa's Holy sh- Christ, short, was this crazy? Short this was Vince Andre. Yeah, but these two had a match and I I don't know if I noticed the height difference that much at Survivor Series. Oh my God! I I thought Charlotte was was standing on Ric Flair's shoulders or something. She's the baby face. She just towered over Alexa. Says that Alexa doesn't have the size, speed, or pedigree to be the woman. You've got to beat the woman. If you don't believe him, just ask him. And in came Rick to cut a quick promo and said that Charlotte will be champion until the day she decides to hang up her robe. And then they both did a woo. And blew out the sound speaker. I know. Holy Christ. It makes sense to have Ric Flair with Charlotte, yes. But this was it. Yeah, this was it. This was their only appearance on the show. This was Ric Flair's role on the show. Okay. Back to our card game. Titus Worldwide and Natalia are now in. Natalia won a hand. 
with the hearts, of mm, course. Yes. Yes. So after... <laughs> like, that sucks. Dude, that was the whole segment. I, I can't add anything. That's, I don't even have a joke to make because that, that was the whole segment. Fucking... Hearts, of course. Yeah. That was the whole line I that know. they built to. That just sucks. MVP is fucking sitting there. He's sitting there. Yeah. I got on a plane for this shit. Jeff Hardy is just thinking, Christ, yeah. what am I doing here? <laughs> like, actual, like, Jeff Hardy. I know. Yeah, as somebody like, who... Like, that's I, a guy who could come back and be someone. MVP, okay, whatever. Not, he's he's not, not coming back for a run. Not only that, but, like, I, I would say Jeff Hardy is somebody who has plenty of attachment to the show. The Huge. The theme of, of Raw. And you kind of... Ah, anyway. Missed opportunity. So at this point, everyone's going nuts online and just feeling for the... I think a GoFundMe was started for the poor Manhattan Center ticket buyers. Because you're just looking at your watch. It's like, these guys have sat there all night and they've gotten an Undertaker promo. Now, during commercial breaks, so as not to interfere with the Brooklyn uh, portion that was on the big screen, mm-hmm. they did run some 205 live matches. <laughs> oh, exactly what I wanted. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, we paid for a historic Raw and a 205 <laughs> live show broke out. <laughs> Mustafa Ali beat, beat Lince Dorado. This was right after Kurt's uh, cameo segment in the back with the worms. I feel like this is added torture. Okay, the kicker. <laughs> Drew Gulak and Tony Nese took on Akira Tozawa and Hideo Itami. Wow. They brawled on the floor and w- fought to a no contest. Oh, you couldn't even give away that that ending. Couldn't beat any of these guys. <laughs> so it, the whole it, the it, crowds all chanting refund and bullshit, and the oh and the God. videos are surfacing online. Is it because they had to fit all the matches within three minutes? Like with I think they didn't. They wanted to have Raw on the big screen, and they didn't. Yeah. They didn't want matches going on as you're watching the screen. So these matches at the end, like three in minutes. the commercial break, essentially. Like, it sounded like I, the worst I mean, place listen, to be I, at. I feel bad for the 205 Live performers. You know what? The house shows didn't do too bad on the weekend. Sure. 1,200 on Saturday, and I don't know what the number was for Sunday, but well above what I anticipated. So, I mean, they weren't a, they weren't a bust. I think they'll continue them. So after all this time, the Manhattan Center is just salivating. They're just, please, give us anything. Anything. Bray Wyatt's music hits. I thought this was a cruel fucking joke. Like, you're waiting and waiting and Bray Wyatt's coming out. I thought he was going to cut a promo and get massacred. People still love the entrance, though. You know? Did they love this? Because I thought they were, like, catcalling the guy. They were chanting something. I couldn't tell what. They started chanting at him, and then they turned it to delete chants. And that's who was coming out. And they did Bray Wyatt against Matt Hardy. This was the 205 Live Tour. It was the 205 Live Tour. You're right. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler call the match. The referee is in a blue shirt with a bow tie. Mm-hmm. Twist of Fate gets blocked by Bray. Bray nails him in the middle of the ring, and they go to a break. Is this needed a commercial? Bray comes back. He gets hit with the side effect, and then he drove Matt into the middle rope very awkwardly. He grabs Matt, hits the sister Abigail, and wins, just like that. I was first... <laughs> That was it. Like, yeah. was this not the easiest Dude. finish to do in the world? I mean, I was first, like, interested interested that they would even do the match like this after what felt like a month and a half of build. Uh, at this point, I wanted the, this Manhattan Center crowd to get as much as possible, so like, I had no problem with that. There was just... 
What a flat culmination of this <laughs> feud and this Woken Matt Hardy thing. What a bus it's been. I mean, all throughout the weeks, we're waiting, thinking, oh, okay, this is the week where they're going to introduce all the all the cool, like, you know, uh, uh, Vanguard, all this extra stuff. This is the week when they're going to really turn it up. And this felt like it was it. This felt like this was it. It felt like, I mean... It felt like the Brain Wyatt train of disappointment just continued and it just steamrolled over this gimmick that I think everybody, every fan has been waiting for for over a year now. And it just turned it into nothing. Matt Hardy loses clean. So it's probably the best part of this was for the live crowd. Jeff came out after the match, hugged Matt. Why wouldn't you show that on TV? Don't have time. (laughs) Got, Got to get to another poker segment. And then Matt said how he lost this battle in the Great War. And he asks Jeff what is going to happen. And Jeff sang the obsolete song for the crowd. Which tells me they have no intention of ever doing it on TV. Like, Matt Hardy clearly is doing his own thing on his own YouTube channel, even on Twitter. He's got all his own ideas, but for whatever reason, they're not being executed on television. And this seemed like that, you know? I don't for a second think... Eh, I guess Jeff could come back, but really, what what is there to do? They're just going to lose. I want everyone to know that I, at this point in the show, I was really starting to dislike this show. And I was trying to be as open-minded as possible because sometimes I feel that the most hyped-up shows are often, they're, they're the most, you have the biggest hot take after and are critical of it. WrestleMania gets this every year. It's like the hype is so big. This show, I can legitimately tell you, I went in with the most open mind, wanting to enjoy this show, and it was just one thing after the other that I was just so underwhelmed by. This next segment was part of it. JoJo introduced us to past female stars. 95% of this I had no issue with. The Bella Twins come out. Maurice comes out. Kelly Kelly. Lillian Garcia, Jacqueline, Tori Wilson, Michelle McCool, Terry Runnels, Maria Canellis, and then Trish Stratus. Mm-hmm. And they came out and they did like the WrestleMania Hall of Fame roll call. Done. Yeah. That was it. I can nearly guarantee you that Trish Stratus was. You remember when we reviewed WrestleMania? 25. The nope, nope, I don't remember. Okay. Let me refresh your memory. There was a Divas Battle Royal. Yes. Okay. And they wanted all these women from the past to come back. They invited Tori Wilson. They invited Tristratus. Tori Wilson said, sure, I'll come do it. And she later said it was a major regret. Oh, the one where Gail, like it was Gail's last match, and she just like said fuck this and she just left. She yeah. No, no, no. This was that was a different battle royal. Oh, That's okay. the one where she slid under the bottom rope and just left to the back to see if anyone noticed. Um, I don't know if you... Maybe this was Gail's last one. I don't yeah, know. Anyway. I remember that, like Tori and a bunch of people being in that Cameos? battle royal. Oh, then, maybe we're talking about they, the same one. And then one. they were exited like, with okay. no fanfare whatsoever. They, were ner- they didn't even get their own introductions. They had to all come yeah. out to a Kid Rock performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tori noted like... You wouldn't have even known she was there. Yeah. And she said it was like a regrettable experience. 
Trish declined to do that battle royal because she wants to come back for special occasions. Yeah. Listen, that would have been terrible. At least here, she got the featured spot, right? She was the, the big final entrant. She was really kind of the, the, the biggest... She was the biggest star of, of this. And I would say this segment wouldn't even be worth doing if you didn't have somebody on the level of a Trish. I thought, first of all, I, I think Trish should be something important. Mm-hmm. I think you disqualified all these women from being surprises in the Rumble. I don't think they have any of the impact that they would have if they weren't on this show, for instance. Yeah, so you think Trish, somebody like Trish is... is I think if she's in the Rumble, it was a total insane idea to put her on this show. Why? Because they needed a big name at the end of this interview. You didn't this need segment. this segment. You didn't need this. I, secondly, I mean, secondly how you could have utilized these women. There was nothing for the women's rumble. This is a historic match they're promoting. Yes. And you can't use the women from all these generations oh. who never got this opportunity yeah. to do a segment with the present women who are going to make history on Sunday. I thought in my head, like, slam dunk, this segment writes itself. I didn't even think twice that they wouldn't be using the women for that role. I completely agree. I mean, just to even have some of these pairings, you know, to, to have somebody like... Trish Stratus be in the same frame as a Charlotte talking about, you know, uh, the, the uh, whatever, this woman's evolution thing that they keep trying to hammer home. I think that would have made it for a really cool moment better than this and better than what Charlotte had. Uh, but absolutely, something to lead into the Rumble, I think, would have been perfect. Like a Jacqueline just quick promo about she was given... None of these opportunities that all of you have on Sunday. You guys have a Royal Rumble to yourself. And this is a woman who worked territory. She worked all over the place and never got like it was just there were so many little things you could have done to integrate the women to push the Rumble match on Sunday that I found this this segment was just there was no creativity to it. Elias is backstage. Oh, Christ. I'm going to need an hour on this fucking segment. (laughs) This was unbelievable. Whatever I just said about Trish not coming back for special occasions, let's multiply this by 100. Elias is backstage, and he meets Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, who just came off one of the biggest performances of his entire career at the the Tokyo Dome. He's wearing his Alpha Club shirt, which, to my observation was the only thing he got out of this was being able to wear his t-shirt he points out that like him elias is wearing a lot of scarves and he asks for elias's guitar elias says no jericho's brought his own guitar and he starts singing a song about elias being a stupid idiot and he reveals the clipboard and he teases putting elias on the list fakes that he hasn't but then puts him on the list Crowd did enjoy this. They all chanted Y2J, but that was it. That was the, how you get Chris Jericho off of all of that buzz. And this is the segment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd be furious if I was Chris Jericho. I'm furious. I didn't expect anything more than what we had here. You know, then why do it? Why do it if you're Chris Jericho? Well, because you, you're a company man in the end. 
And I, you would have been doing a way bigger service to come back when it can mean something way more for the company. I'm sure he understands. This was a nothing, nothing appearance. I'm sure he understands that. But uh, at the same time, I don't. I'm, sure I, I'm actually shocked he did this because this is I mean, so unlike something he would do. He has missed WrestleManias on years when The Rock has come back mm -hmm. because he knows he'd be lost in the shuffle. He's said. He's been offered at times to do the Andre Battle Royal, and he turned it down. He's turned down WrestleMania payoffs way because it's not anything of, of importance. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm looking at this pro from the perspective of, of the company, and they're probably just looking at this like... Like, I, it wouldn't surprise me, John, if half the people in that locker room saw Chris Jericho and asked him, Oh, hey, man, what have you been up to? without any knowledge of anything he's done in Japan. Because I think that's how little it means to Vince McMahon and a lot of the people working on this show. He's just a guy who ended up, oh, Chris did some match over, you know, some some indie in, J in Japan. That's probably all it feels like to a lot of people. That's not how this crowd feels. And certainly in Brooklyn, listening to the, re the reaction this guy got, I'm sure most of that crowd was quite aware of what this man has been up to over the past several months. If I'm Chris Jericho, though... And I'm coming off that. I'm viewing myself. I'm a money player in this industry. I'm a main eventer. And I'm not even going to be in front of this live crowd. Skip it. I'd love to hear if he had any candid thoughts about this on his podcast. Because he's been very candid about, you know, his stuff with New Japan. And actually even his stuff with, with, with uh, WWE. But um, I'm curious, you know, if, if he'll speak at all about this. I'd be I'd be shocked if Jericho and Trish Stratus were happy with their roles on this show. I'd be very, very surprised if they were. So then we come back from the break, and Elias is in the ring playing the guitar. And he lectures the crowd. He won't sing for them. He says the legends are here, and they need to hear this song. The crowd starts chanting stupid idiot at him. And then Elias threatens to leave, but points out Jimmy Fallon's in the front row. Which, thankfully, he got comped at the Barclays Center and not... The Manhattan Center. Okay, never mind Jeff Hardy or Chris Jericho. I feel bad for Jimmy Fallon for coming all the way here to do what? They like, did you watch the Tonight Show stuff? You, yeah. you probably did, right? Because they played, played yeah. on the pre-show. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. The lip sync stuff. So, I mean, they had, they made, they essentially like. Oh, can I tell you a funny story? Yes. Okay, sure. finish your thoughts But first. I mean, okay, they, they, I feel like they, they basically pressured jimmy fallon to come to this show on air and he couldn't leave and he and like jimmy fallon comes out i'm expecting them to do an angle with him something even like with with the drifter here calls on jimmy fallon and fallon just kind of like tries to play along he's looking like you know really just like i came all the way to brooklyn for this like you could have i at least wanted some type of like interaction with him but it, he was it was just he was just a shot in the crowd yeah, not among my top ten uh, misused people, but yeah, there was there was a lot of opportunities. I think that was the frustrating part. There were all these opportunities on this show that I just felt were missed. Right down to yeah, sure, Jimmy Fallon, something that could get you some publicity coming out of this. There was nothing. There, there was hmm. nothing involving Jimmy Fallon. Um, so anyway. I watch Riverdale. I'm just sorry. I'm just imagining like uh, again. I hope this is all caught on the 24. Like if the 24 existed in my head, 
it would include all this. And the one disaster. Of these, one of these scenes would be like Jimmy Fallon greeting uh, Hunter and Steph backstage, and then having the really forced conversation about how how you enjoy. How did you enjoy the show, Jimmy? And Jimmy oh, Fallon's this like, is really, really oh, great. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh. oh, they're really big. Wow. Yeah. Is that real guitar? Um. So, anyway, so Riverdale. Riverdale. Love this show. I watch it every week with my wife, and it's been off for like the last month. Okay. So I'm watching it uh, last week, and who should have a cameo as uh, Betty Cooper and her mother go to this uh, this kind of decrepit motel? The the guy working at the motel is Paul Lazenby. Yes. So he's I got this. has a cameo. Okay. And I point out, I'm like, that's oh, a friend of mine, and and she was like, oh, that's that's kind of neat. So on Monday. Raw's playing, and this lip sync segment comes on. Mm-hmm. And this time, my wife is really impressed. She's like, your friend's on The Tonight Show. I was like, no, 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 that's Triple H. That's not Paul Lazenby. But I was like, <laughs> they look similar. Um, uh, the, with, with I guess. Hunter, like, they both he's have bald. the goatees. Yeah. Uh, he's like, Paul's like skin bald, whereas Paul's not which paul are you talking oh, about oh shit they're both paul yeah. <laughs> another comparison uh hunter is not skin bald okay okay but anyway so that that was funny yes a lot of bald she men thought it was neat he was on riverdale but really <laughs> impressed he was on the tonight show with jimmy fallon yeah i would be impressed too anyway so there you go elias uh is just totally healing on brooklyn he's running down performers he says rocky still sucks which felt like a line that was just there to just uh, tease the audience. Yes, yes. With no payoff. Yes. But then he uh, runs down Cena not being a legend, and this prompts John Cena to come out. He comes out, and one of the lyrics was about Cena and Brooklyn not having balls. So a beach ball has made its way into the Barclays Center, and John Cena spots it and plays off of Elias's lyric, stating, Brooklyn definitely has balls. It's right there. Mm-hmm. Very quick, and yeah. the camera would not go there initially, but it was like Cena just kept staring at it long enough that they had to show the beach ball being confiscated, so it did make its way in. They've kind of made it a thing now. They profiled it on their own shows. But Cena has profiled it. No, I, I mean they they didn't they talk about the beach ball in like the Raw after WrestleMania special? Oh, uh, probably. Um, yeah. Elias tells him to shut his mouth. Cena's ruining his nights. Cena challenges him to do something. Elias says that's not how it works. He's not going to take orders from Cena or these Brooklyn scumbags. So Cena attacks him with a pair of shoulder blocks, the five-knuckle shuffle. But as he goes to the AA, it's blocked. Elias hits a low blow and then breaks a guitar over Cena's back. Mm-hmm. This, to me, was another segment that... It, this did get over pretty well with the audience. I... Given the fact that Jimmy Fallon was really not of any importance here, this would have been nuts in the Manhattan Center. Elias performing, running down the audience, Mm -hmm. which is easy heat. Cena shows up, and then Cena gets laid out for that crowd. I think Elias would have felt like a superstar. I think people would have cheered Elias. They would have cheered, but I think they would have loved that. I think they would have loved that. I think the company would have loved that reaction for Cena. I feel like Cena. certain things play better in the Manhattan Center, and that's the nostalgic, nostalgic stuff, you know? The stuff that, that I think the older male audiences would like. And I don't know if... This mm. kind of feels like it's more of a, of a new new audience type of thing. Uh, I, th- I think this could have worked very well. It worked in either, mm. so it wasn't a giant thing. 
But clearly Elias being placed in the Samoa Joe role for, for the, the Rumble and beyond. The next Raw pay-per-view. Yes, that's what I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Back to our APA game. The New Day's there. Slater has a full house. He is accused of cheating. He is thrown out. Ted has a Ted DiBiase has a royal flush. And Ron Simmons said, damn. Even the damn was like one of the lazier damns. Off a royal flush? That had been written for Ron Simmons, you know? And n- never mind the fact that, like, I think that damn is most effective when Ron doesn't say anything prior. You had APA Ron Simmons here who's been, in, you know, just play, talking normally throughout the, the rest of the segment. And, yeah, the punchline was like there was nothing for him to react to to say damn. It was just it's also the end of a game. It's also the comedy of he he appears out of nowhere at the end of a crazy segment. Yeah, he's not you, in the segment. But you exactly, and you but you still need. He had something. to get up and adjust himself to position yeah. himself for the delivery. You but you also just kind of need something that is like actually weird or like fucked up for him to say damn to. And there's not nothing. He won here. a card game. Yeah. He won one hand. The Miz showed up for the Manhattan Center. Ron crowd. Simmons should have showed up. In the next segment. Oh, you're right. Um, Mark Henry runs into the Godfather and a woman named Olivia. And the Godfather explains to Olivia that he used to be called sexual chocolate. Henry says that was a different era. We've all grown up. And then Henry starts flirting with Olivia. And she's revealed as the Godfather's wife. Damn. No damn. It was just no. Henry shaking his head. I mean, I thought of all the kind of like little backstage segments, I thought this was probably my favorite because it was actually a bit of an awe moment, you know? Here we have two Attitude Era guys, the sexual chocolate, and then you had the Godfather, and they're all grown up. You know what would have been the, the, the capper to that segment? Would have been D'Lo, D'Lo Brown, yeah. and then you have Damn at the end of it, and it's all the Nation members. Yeah, that would have been great. Oh, Absolutely. that would have been that would have been great with but, the four. But just the, I mean, yeah. But this was, I like this because this was like kind of heartfelt. You know, this was like American Pie four, when like they they all get back together and they they have kids now. I don't even know if they made that yet, but they I did. That was American Pie four. Oh, they had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I wish D'Lo was there. D'Lo would have been a fun cameo yeah. on this. For, on this, Were there any unannounced surprises on this show? I don't think so. Mm. They announced every appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think you should have had a few. Yeah. But maybe, maybe they want their surprises on Sunday for a few yes. spots. Yes. Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews versus Rhino and Heath Slater. This was when I thought they're not even trying now. But there was a purpose to this. This I will I will go to my grave arguing this match and this post match, how this wasn't at the Manhattan Center was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because these four coming out, given how livid this Manhattan Center crowd was, they would have torn this match to shit. So that the the appearance at the mm-hmm. end, unbelievable. It would have been the biggest reaction of the night, perhaps. Yeah. I thought this Ryan, was Rhino Rhino would have received a big reaction at the Manhattan Center, but you're, you maybe so. You but I think as this match started, this audience would have totally turned on this tag match. Yeah. Well, then they would have to ha- had to have left the poker game to go all the way to Manhattan Center. Though. God forbid we had that <laughs> continuity error. Rhino by the week is looking more and more like Otis Otis Dozovich from Heavy Machinery on NXT. It's 
Like, he's just widening. Yeah. And he looks like a tag team. <laughs> yeah, him and Otis maybe are going to be a tandem down the road. Um, the announcers state that Booker should do something for the Raw anniversary. He should join Titus Worldwide. And Booker explains he's more of a solo guy. Cole says, what? What was Harlem Heat? That was this week's uh, UFC fighter. Yeah. That's never made an impact in WWE. Yeah, since Ken Shamrock, who wasn't on this show. They went to a commercial break during this tag match way. They return, everyone's brawling, and the match is thrown out. Like, the whole match was in the commercial. No, they didn't even try. It was, who cares? Nobody cares about this match, we know. So, they're all fighting. The Dudley Boys music hits, and I immediately thought, like, even the tie-in to the Dudleys on that ECW Invasion Raw in 97, like, that crowd would have gone nuts. Completely agree. Like, this segment would have been so great in the Manhattan Center. The Manhattan Center crowd, I bet you, was so jealous. Like, I bet you they booed this when the Dudleys came out. They do the uh, the what's up headbutt to Slater, which Corey said should probably be updated with what we call it. They said dilly dally. Dilly dally. Must be an inside joke. I guess. Yeah. Uh, They set up the table, 3D to Slater through the table. The announcers ended this by calling it one of the oddest segments. So why why was Rhino cheering the Dudleys on as they attacked his tag team partner? Because he's been pushing Heath. They they have the on again off again that he's trying to toughen up Heath. Oh, okay. so this so is this is tough love. He's he's going through tables and being three D'd and. But he was celebrating with the Dudleys even after, all this. Well, maybe he just went into business for himself. <laughs> um, it, there was also the the line Corey used that during the headbutt when Devon climbed to the top, Corey said that Heath should be careful because Devon's put on some pounds, <laughs> <laughs> so he's coming down with a lot more weight. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> this was fine, but it was like on the scale of like one to ten, this was maybe a six, and it could have been a ten, I felt, in a different location. Sure. But who cares? Charlie's with AJ Styles. He wants to do this interview with someone else, and he brings in mean Gene Okerlund to ask him about his handicap match, which led to AJ sa- stating, well, let me tell you something, mean Gene. And Gene just had this whole puzzled look on his face. And AJ said, I just always wanted to do that. I mean, he was clearly having a lot of fun. But this was closer to Bailey territory than it was your WWE champion. Kind of gave me flashbacks to, like, when When, he was doing stuff with Hogan and TNA. With Ric Flair. Yeah. With the robe. Right. Oh, my God. Maybe he could have had that reunion on this show. But um, Then he went back into Cammy and talking about Cammy. Really trying to get this Cammy thing going. Um, Fuck. I'm sorry. So it's tough. This was when they showed the photos, including CM Punk's promo, that did get a reaction when they showed the still shot. We go back to the Manhattan Center, and with a straight face, Jerry Lawler said, "We've experienced some of the greatest moments in Raw history tonight, and we're about to experience some more." They had to wake up the crowd. The DX music hits. They were finally getting something of substance. Shawn Michaels and Triple H came out. Hunter, not a not a sniff of his heel persona that we last saw of him at the Survivor Series, where he had turned on uh, Kurt, where he had attacked Braun. None of that. It was cool, Paul. He kind of decides what he wants to be when he comes out. Yeah, he Am kind I of a good guy today or bad. Okay, yeah. the highlight of the show for me at this point came when they panned the crowd. Oh, it was my highlight. Oh, too. and there's Mark Andrada. Yep. 
applauding. Thank God he was awake. Oh, I'll have to ask him. If only he could cue the music. Oh, boy. He would have been, he would have he would have been running a fun. much tighter ship than that. Uh, I think he'll be at Rumble Strikes, I would assume. Oh, well, there you have it. Yeah. More, more, more reason to come on Friday, folks. Get the live experience from Mark Andrada. Mm-hmm. So, Shawn Michaels can't even remember what he did 25 minutes ago, much less 25 years ago. Great start to the promo. He goes to share the DX stories, and Hunter was stopping him, stating they can't share those stories anymore. But, Michael says, you can go and watch them on the WWE Network, which got soundly booed from this audience. If you wanted to get Shawn Michaels booed, Manhattan Plug Center. the network. Yeah. From an, what would you guess the percentages of these fans at the Manhattan Center who have the WWE Network? I would have to uh, imagine it's like 80% of these people have the network. Wouldn't you think? I would say so. I would say a good portion of them probably also pirated. That's true. You probably... Though they clearly are not short on funds because they got tickets to this show. Yeah. Hunter says that the fans still got it. <laughs> that might it's be funny when you do it. Oh come on, that was so cheesy. <laughs> it was. You've it was. still got it. <laughs> You've uh, still got your chanting talent. <laughs> you people lit the spark, and we are here because of you. It was NXT Hunter. Yes. It was. It was NXT Hunter who... Because that's the crowd he was playing to. Listen, I'll say this. NXT Hunter producing this Manhattan Center show would have produced a way better show. Yeah, maybe. It's It's, not even close. It's just a tough task to do, though, because you're really only giving... Like, you only have 30% of the airtime to do a show. You know? It's like they they knew this, though. And I thought it was a cool idea. And it could have been done... But you did. You would always have had dead spots. Yes. Like inevitably, there would have been complaints about too much downtime. But mm-hmm. this was ridiculous. Kind what that crowd got. So, Hunter mentions walking down as DX with the likes of Rick Rude, China, and that this arena is home. Hell of a homecoming. And then asks, "Are you ready?" Because they didn't come alone. Out come the New Age Outlaws. Uh, Road Dog and bodybuilding Billy Gunn. They called him badass, didn't they? Well, did they call him badass? Because at the top, they said, oh, you didn't know? You better call somebody. Right. Like, is ass really the barometer we're at right now that you can't stay? Hmm. Like, anyway. So Road Dog does the whole New Age Outlaw spiel, and... We're in the midst of them, like, saving this for this Manhattan crowd. Like, they were really into this and at least got to see some stars. Also, on the the 24th special, I'd love to see a camera in Gorilla or in the production truck right at this moment when all these people were going over their time limit as we approached 11 o'clock. Oh, yeah. We were getting dangerously close. Yeah. Then Sean Waltman comes out. The crowd chanted one, two, three, and he looked genuinely moved by this. Oh, this was really nice because yeah. I don't remember the last time I heard Waltman speak in front of a live audience other than the Hall of Fame. I of all the like DX nostalgia and the yeah. guys that have benefited from that, Waltman's got so little of it in, in a WWE setting. Yeah. He's not brought, I mean, he's been brought back, but it's like he's never gotten any post runs. He's no. never gotten like a lot. He, I, 
but I think that's for good reason for a lot for much of that. Period, yeah, right? uh, yeah, you're right. I understand that, but I'm just saying in general. But, I mean, he's he's at a period now where I mean, all the members of the clique seem to have you know being the good graces of the of the company again. Here, I thought he looked great, well spoken. You know, it was really nice to see him, and and I think he is somebody who legitimately has attachment to Raw for being a part of... Oh, of course. I would say the first big moment in Raw's history, that being... Hunter wasn't around at that time. Yeah. That, New Age Outlaws weren't around at that. Well, Billy but, was. But, but you know, the, the upset win over Razor Ramon, I think, is still a moment that's... That, that, that was I mean, the first big that, moment on that show. Exactly. I would so, argue. So it was kind of really nice to see uh, Sean Waltman here for that reason. And... Then uh, Waltman says, yes, it's a DX reunion, but we can't do it without this guy. They brought out Scott Hall. Um, of course, Kevin Nash had to back out of this because of his recent knee surgery. They brought out Scott Hall, and we go right to commercial break. Yes. We go to commercial break. Yeah. He's also wearing the same suit that he had on that ESPN special where he just looks a mess coming like out at that the, indie the, show. The Outsiders vest yes. jacket. Yes. Okay. Um, he comes out. He says, you can't have a party without the bad guy. And this episode is too sweet. I waited three minutes for that. Uh, anyway. Th- this wasn't the Scott Hall that delivered that Hall of Fame speech a few years no, ago. No, it was a Scott Hall who had a very short amount of time. Was it was supposed to come out and say the, the too sweet to tee up the, the next guys. Yeah. I'm, I wonder if this... They would have just thrown in Nash in this kind of a segment just to pair everyone together, would, or if they would have had something different for those guys. I think Nash would have been here. Probably. Simply for the, the click thing. Yeah. yeah. Then the Bowler Club comes out. And I thought, okay, at least this is utilizing these legends for something yes. present. Yes. They came out. They all did the two sweet sign. Billy goes to do the catchphrase about two words when they're interrupted by the revival. They, yeah. might, they must have been listening way. The Revival have a sweet new shirt. We got a Monday, well, Dawson did, yeah. Yeah, Monday Night Raw parody, but instead it says Monday Night Revival. Yeah, I wonder if... Is that a legit shirt? Is that a WWE shirt or is I that a... I assume so. Because when you're at a certain level, you kind of got to just shoehorn your own shirts oh, on. Oh, you think he made his own shirt? Some guys have done that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, I mean, Elias was just parading around with a Johnny Cash shirt on. Yeah. So they come out and they had scheduled... <laughs> We had a scheduled match between The Revival and Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows to go on at uh, 10.55 p.m. Eastern. Mm -hmm. The biggest, the most over guy in this match was referee Mike Chioda. Yeah. Who looks great in the old baby blue. Yes. Yeah. The crowd loved him. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Revival attacked them from behind. Dawson mocked the two sweet sign because DX and Hall, they were all out there at ringside. Gallows got the tag, big boot, head kick, magic killer, and they pinned Dash in two minutes. Nothing, a real nothing match. I was actually quite disappointed in JR and King here on the show. They, I mean, it's kind of clear they, they're not really keeping up with uh, at least, I, I think, some of the intricacies of the product. Missing the call on a lot of these moves, not even calling the Magic Killer nor the Coup de Gras. Yeah, there was that. Um, Scott Dawson confronted them, got into Scott Hall's face, Hall tossed a toothpick at him, and then we just went through the rotation of finishes. Uh, there was an X Factor to Dawson. Road Dog did his punches, Famouser, and then Michael super kicked Dash Wilder. Always great timing on the super kick, and then a pedigree to Wilder, followed by the coup de gras, and Billy Gunn saying, "We've got two words for you." You knew this was coming after a hundred percent. I was, I was ready for it. 
it I I didn't even hate this because yeah. the central guy was was Finn to a degree as well. Yes, yes, I'm sure that was kind of the the thinking behind it too. I'm sure like how how would the headlines look? Raw closes with the click coming out on top, right? Like I'm sure Triple H himself, I, I'm sure is quite aware of, of the criticism that he would receive. So yeah, I didn't have a problem with this. Uh, I think a lot of it will depend on how the revival follow up with this. You know, they could turn this into a gimmick, right? Like their their whole thing is like hating old school guys, and like maybe they get their revenge on Booker T or something like that. I don't know, but anyway, we'll see. Um, afterwards, for the live crowd, uh, DX, Hall, they all addressed the crowd. Ric Flair came out and joined them as well. So the crowd Again, got that. Again, all off air. Off air. Well, at this point, I'm glad the people in Manhattan at least got some cool stuff because I was really feeling for them before this whole DX segment. Yeah. Then we had the, the Lumberjack promo segment. Kurt Angle comes out and is accompanied by... It's kind of funny. Like, what is the bar for being on lumberjack duty? Like, do they ask all the legends, can you come out? Did they ask Chris Jericho, hey, can you be a lumberjack in the last segment? Was he there? No, he wasn't. But Christian was. For, like, what's the bar? Like, do you have a list? Like, Maybe. these are lumberjack level cameos. These are stars that we would never insult by being part of a lumberjack yes, segment. I, I would assume so. So what's, what's like... Uh, if you are... If you maybe they count your pocketbook and see how much money you make. I'm trying to think of a. Well, I would also assume that maybe some people would turn it down. Like maybe a Chris Jericho would turn it down. Maybe um, who else was missing there? Okay, well the ones they had out were the APA, Regal, Christian, Bischoff, Goldust, Brother Love, Kurt Hawkins, Coachman, Boogeyman, The Bar, New Day, Titus Worldwide, Usos, Ted DiBiase, Dallas, Axel. And the guy you always want to have for extra muscle, Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> I don't know if MVP was part of this. He was. He was? He was the last okay. enter. Yeah. Oh. Well, then MVP as well. Angle introduces Braun Strowman, followed by Kane. The two have to be separated in the ring. Thank God we had enough muscle. Paul Heyman then introduces Brock. He says his client is relevant, not here for a nostalgia trip. His fighter is ready for Sunday. He's the most relevant superstar among the 1,287 episodes of Raw. Braun then attacks Kane, and we get the physicality at the end where um, he's clotheslined by Lesnar to the floor. Lesnar then hits an F5 to Kane. Strowman then clotheslines Lesnar to the floor, launches him into the barricade, and the closing spot is Braun putting Lesnar through the announcer's desk with a running power slam, and Braun stands tall to end the show. Really a nothing closing segment at all. Uh, yeah. Not much in terms of build for the Rumble itself on this show, uh, which I assume they'll save more for SmackDown. Um, not much in terms of utilizing a lot of star power that you're not going to have access to every yeah. week. I was very disappointed with this show. It really is a tough task trying to juggle the amount of people on the show. but Book I think less people. Yeah, I but I just think like and what? Raw One Thousand is fresh in their uh, not fresh, but uh -huh. they did the same thing. They loaded it up. They shot big angles on that show. Was that the Piper? Or was that, 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 that was, was old school, old school Raw, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Piper. the The Raw One Thousand was kind of starting the punk heel turn and shot the angle with Rock, which was July for the Rumble. Mm, um, right. 
Anyway. Um, yeah, I dropped the ball, kind of. High expectations and n- not met. I don't even think you need high expectations for this. For this show, show given all this right? star power, I had high expectations for Well, it. I'm saying even if you didn't have high expectations, yeah. I feel like this under-delivered. Yeah, I think however you look at it, whether this was a just you were looking for complete nostalgia, yeah. building up the rumble, mixing in your current stars. Um, I look at the way um, Saturday Night Live did this three years ago. It was their 40th anniversary, and they brought all the players from behind from all their years, and that that's encompassing 40 years worth of people, mm-hmm. and they worked them into sketches with current players. They didn't go overboard with everyone. Three hour show as well. Um, and I just, this came nowhere close to, and I think that's the best comparison of kind of a variety show that's character driven, that there's a lot of nostalgia for a show of people coming back from the past. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the comparison. Do you think this is a case of bad timing? Like if this was not the week of the go home edition of Raw for the Rumble, would this show have turned out better? I don't think it would have because it's not as though we got tons for the rumble on this show either it's like the rumble was kind of ignored on this show anyway save for the last segment so i can't even say that all their attention was diluted to the rumble it was like the rumble was on the back burner like the show was all about celebrating themselves and i think it was just some very bad use of names from the past not having good ideas Mm -hmm. and outside of the austin segment like what are you really gonna think about two months from now about this show it makes me wonder if simplicity would have been the key to a a lot of these segments feeling better because uh to to me my favorite segments on the show were the austin vince segment and also the mark henry godfather segment which was as simple as you could get and both those i think involved maybe two to three principal characters but you when you had segments like even even the dx segment you know forcing so many people into the into the frame and into the shot and and that poker game that seemed never ending with a bunch of names that really didn't feel like half those names didn't need to be there for sure um i would have advertised key names like you want to make this feel like a big deal going into it and have that buzz for the ones that you should have Uh but like half of these first of all i wouldn't have booked all these they booked way too many people Mm -hmm. and half of them i would have left for surprises that would have had a genuine surprise element to it Dudley's never needed to be announced ahead of time. That could have been a cool surprise. There could have been a lot of those mixed into the show. Instead, you knew all the people, and it was like you've heightened expectation to how are they going to use all these people? Mm-hmm. And the the reality was you can't have meaningful roles when you're talking about this many people on one three-hour broadcast. Eric Bischoff alone, I think, would have been huge. Shawn Michaels alone would have been huge. You know, All these guys kind of coming out on weeks that were not this week I think would have been big moments on their own like I know that they've done the segment before but it was well over a decade ago but just to have a segment of Vince Bischoff and Heyman together yeah um, all under the same roof it's like you had all these interesting characters that you don't typically get to play with and Mm -hmm. here you can do all these little scenarios and listen I know that this team the writing team is a very overworked team to produce all this television especially this week this was a special show that almost needed its own team dedicated to this focus on this know ahead of time all the players involved what the objectives of the show were because i just did not feel they were met on this show Mm -hmm. so uh, a disappointing one before we get to your feedback uh we are gonna hear from someone who attended the show live and that is keep it 2000s brian mann 
who went to the Barclays Center version. Uh, so we're going to hear now from Brian. We've just completed our wrap-up of the 25th anniversary of Raw, and we are going live to the scene now. Brian Mann of Keep It 2000 joins us now on the line. He was at the Barclays Center, and if you were playing the which Raw venue should I go to on Monday night, and you chose the Barclays Center, congratulations, Brian. You were the winner on Monday night. Yeah, it was... It was So when the tickets first went on sale, and I was not interested in buying any of them, people were asking me, though, which venue should I go to? And so I was like, oh, we got to do Manhattan Center. Like, it's a no-brainer. Like, that's a, such an interesting, unique look and feel and experience for the show. Of course, that's what you would want to go to. And then today, I just happened to get a free comp ticket in the afternoon, and I went to Barclay. And boy, did I luck into the better experience, because... Obviously saw videos online of Manhattan Center and then just being there in the arena and looking at my phone and my watch and just being like, wow, this show's been on for 45 minutes and they've done nothing over there other than the very first toss. And then more time went by and more time went by and they got a, a really short, you know, Matt Hardy match. And it's like, wow, what is going on over there? And hey, then well, I saw at one point that was that I was going to say, well, at least they got a bit of a 205 live house show. I mean, for their <laughs> ticket. Well, and then uh, I saw that The Miz showed up over there, and I wonder if that had always been the case, or if like they just like, man, they're getting pissed over there. What can we throw them? And so The Miz got in a car and ran over there. Now, for you at the Barclays Center, I mean, you guys didn't have too much dead time to deal with in comparison, but how did they handle it in the Barclays Center uh, when they were doing the live stuff at, at the Manhattan Center? Yeah, uh, the stuff just went up on the screen. Uh, there's a small thing where whenever they would go to and from commercial breaks uh it would go quiet for about 15 20 seconds which that happens anytime they're doing live you just don't notice it when you're in the audience like they go to commercial come back um but we were watching and so whenever they would you know like you're watching the matt hardy uh that matt hardy match and the commentator would say when we come back it goes quiet for like 10 seconds then you just hear the match audio uh no commentary underneath and then it goes quiet for another 15 seconds and then they come back from commercial so the only time that was kind of weird was when Scott Hall came out and his music played and apparently they went to commercial at that point, but we still got a promo um, and we still got all of them doing their catchphrases. And then the audio went quiet for a second and Scott Hall's music started playing again and that was coming back for break. So at home, it seemed as though he just came out and they went to break, but uh, there's about two minutes of promo that we got to see uh, via the, I guess, this the closed circuit. Anything notable in these promos besides catchphrases? Uh, there was a funny moment where they were chanting Razor and Scott turned to Hunter and whispered, they fucking love me, uh, which got <laughs> Hunter to, to laugh. Awesome. What were some other, uh, highlights from your live experience there? Uh, the, uh really the biggest thing was the very first thing, uh, Stone Cold was someone I, who I've still never seen. He's one of the few like people on the list are like, I want to see that. And to be able to see him in that, um, environment and, you know, just kind of like playing off, you know, the greatest hits of, you know, doing the stunner to the McMahons was fun. And it was a really fun way to start the show. That glass broke. We all knew it was going to come, but it was fantastic. But I would also say it started what I would say is the theme of the night of just really underutilizing and misusing uh, a lot of these legends and just your overall talent. Um, the fact that he never picked up a microphone, you know, we never got to hear Stone Cold talk ever made me think, oh, well, clearly they're setting him up for something else. Like he's going to come back later and like, oh, maybe he's actually going to go to Manhattan Center and do something over there. How cool would that be? So both both venues get to 
get something from Stone Cold. And I don't think people are going to complain Stone Cold doing two segments in one show. Um, and then that didn't happen. And then there just kept being more and more of that, of just like, oh, wait, uh, MVP is just randomly sitting in a backstage <laughs> segment. And, oh, we did this whole thing that, like, they did this whole angle between Triple H and The New Day on The Tonight Show, and then The New Day's just throwing pancakes on a table. And it was, and then they're not even in the same building as Triple H. It was just, the whole evening was just so baffling. You had this eight-woman tag match that went on for way too long and really killed the crowd after that Austin thing. And then you brought out all these, like, female legends for, like, just to bow. And it's like, really? This was, like, the best we thought we could get out of all of this? It was just really just perplexing the whole night of just how is this what you put together with with all the cards you had to play with brian i'm sure you were similar to me in that your comparison point tonight probably goes back three years when saturday night live did this exact same thing for their Mm -hmm. 40th anniversary and they brought back everybody and worked them into a three-hour show now not having that show fresh in your memory I mean, can you compare the two at all? Because that was kind of what I was, as I was like getting closer to the show today, trying to just structure in my head of how you would serve all these masters, plug the Rumble Sunday and work all of these people into at least semi-meaningful roles. That was going to be the largest task on this show. Right. And I think you you bring up a the first point that I think you got to look at, which is the Rumble's coming up. Uh, I think Elias maybe mentioned one or two lines in his song uh, about the Rumble, but no one, no one is interested in in this match or winning it or possibly going to WrestleMania. None of that matters at all. Um, And what was so weird to me was that you had all these cameos, but just so used, used so poorly. Like, why did we have just three raw general managers randomly come out and then Daniel Bryan to stare down with The Miz? Like, couldn't you have easily just had, you know, like, Kurt Angle at one point said, like, hey, I've actually brought in, brought back some of the, you know, classic managers, and they're going to be here all night. And you get to let Eric Bischoff comes out, come out, he gets an applause, and he announces a match or something like that. But what was so weird was that I would understand if it was a situation where, like, Raw 1000 um, kind of felt this way, where it just felt jam-packed, where it's like, oh my goodness, you know, all this stuff keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. But why did we have, like, a two-segment eight women's tag match? Why do we have a meaningless tag team match that went nowhere later? Uh, You know, why was this Bray Wyatt, Matt Hardy match happening? There was just a show that felt like it was killing time and then also rushing concurrently. And it just felt like a standard episode of Raw that had to shoehorn in these other elements. Um, But yeah, I mean, you use the SNL 40 example. Yeah, that was... They played to all of those people's strengths, no matter how big or how small, and they knew where to put them. But to just cram all these legends into a really terrible APA running segment backstage, especially when you had so many uninspired, lengthy matches that were just killing time. Why don't we, you know, maybe spread this out? Maybe, maybe, maybe actually let the New Day have a segment in the ring where they're talking with somebody. Um yeah, and then you have like the, that peep show segment where it's like, oh, just Christians here. It just it felt really unsatisfying um, to have all of those ingredients. Uh, we won't keep you along here, Brian. But just what was kind of the vibe leaving the arena? Did you get any kind of a sense from from people uh, from before the show compared to after the show? Kind of just the the overall energy. Yeah, the energy was massive. I mean, I think you could you could hear it right off the bat. I think uh, Austin was huge, and. 
I mean, that closing angle, that go home angle, just was was such just a nothing. It was just such a just evaporated right in front of you after a month of these crazy stunts from Braun Strowman to just sort of like this whimper of a table break. And then when the show ended and they kind of said goodbye and really, you know, hey, there's not going to be any dark segment. There's not going to be anything else happening. Um, the crowd booed. Um, hmm. And that I just with all the people that were there, that just felt like the perfect time for like Vince to come out and say something, maybe like a nice round of applause, like just to hear. I kept going back to like it was just so weird that we never heard like Stone Cold talk. And we had so many legends that just all felt like filler. And then the main roster actually felt like filler. Like no one on this show I felt came across looking like a star except for Stone Cold and um, and Triple H. Everyone else just sort of felt like, hey, we're just on a TV show this week. Well, you got your money's worth, Brian. I mean, you can I you can't, you can't really argue with that. <laughs> uh, you will be back uh, along with yes. Nate Milton next Thursday, February the 1st, as you guys uh, relaunch the Satellite of Hate. And can you give us just a brief uh, preview of this particular episode of Nitro? Yes. Uh, much like tonight's episode of Raw, both Eric Bischoff and myself were in attendance. <laughs> and I, I'm very excited for this episode. This is one that it, it, it kind of it's crazy that the time it worked out that this is the one we're coming back on. It's an episode I was at when I was 13 years old and I was just, you know, that plays into it. I'm, I'm in the third row. You can see me the entire time if you haven't watched the episode yet. And our guest is going to be Damien Abraham, who Nate and I always love when we get to do stuff with him. And uh, the fact that we, you know, waited this long to have him on for the first time. We're very excited for the show to be back. And yes, February 1st. And then every other Thursday, uh, moving forward from then, this is the uh, June uh, June fifth Nitro. If you haven't watched it yet, get caught up. Um, I'm really excited. We've recorded the episode. Uh, it, I think it's I think it's a great one, and I'm really excited um, for everyone to hear it uh, when it comes out. And then we've got a great slate of guests uh, after that. We're, we're we're happy to to have the show back and to be with you guys in this new home. We're happy to have you, and that drops Thursday, February the first. So you can go to uh, iTunes or wherever you get uh, your podcasts and just look up Keep It 2000, subscribe now, and the show drops a week from Thursday. So, Brian, uh, thank you very much for stopping by, giving us a live report tonight uh, from a, well, a lackluster anniversary special. Well, thanks for having me. So, Way, as Brian was joining us during that segment, uh, we had some live cameos here uh, in the studio that the audience at home doesn't get to see. So... Okay. Yeah, we had Nate show up. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of great cameos. And after the show, maybe we'll have uh, Braden, Dave, and Jason Agnew come out. Yeah, they're all they're all sitting in the corner. Yeah, and, in our they're playing uh, poker. Yeah, they're <laughs> the royal flush. All right, um, Queen High Hearts, of course, of course, <laughs> duh. Uh, let's get to your feedback. And before the end of the show, um, are you gonna? chat a little about destiny uh we can do it tomorrow tuesday yeah yeah okay totally all right because uh there was a lot to talk mm -hmm. about from well i was not the show way was we'll chat about that tuesday because this sure. is a pretty loaded show uh way because it was such a big show tonight's poll was ranking this show on a scale of zero or of one to twenty what do you think this show was on a scale of one, one to, to 20? twenty? why one to twenty why not one to twenty five the max at Oh, I don't know. 20 was the default max, so... Oh. We usually do 1 to 10, so I doubled it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. My guess is that this show scored maybe a 12. I think if this was 1 to 10, 
it would have been very low, below five. But because it's 20, I think people are going to be charitable and go seven. 6.37. Out of 20? Out of 20. Oh my God, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> we have 39 people that have posted feedback here. So we are not going to get through all of this. Sorry, um, so what does that convert to? 6.9. 6. That's like the 3.5. 6.37. Oh, sorry. That's like a 3.18. Uh, yeah, once you uh, we adjusted it for inflation. All right. Uh, do you want to start? Sure. Okay. Uh, MJ from NJ. As disappointed as I am to have not seen Taker and DX live, I'm almost as disappointed that there was zero anything for the crowd after Raw went off the air. MJ was there live, by the way. Okay, he was at the Barclays Center, I assume? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, he said he didn't get to see Taker and DX live, so I assume Brooklyn. Uh, With so many names back, we couldn't get one exciting dark match to reward us for missing out on two-thirds of the big returning acts. I see people feeling bad for the Manhattan Center crowd, but I don't know what was advertised for there. Meanwhile, a hot Brooklyn audience sat on our collective hands, groaning every time we should have been going nuts. Felt like I could have gone home and enjoyed the show from my couch with a fast-forward button after the first segment with Austin. Highlight I'd say in the arena was the beach ball. Cena was great about it. Okay, we go to Lovable Bill, who says, The setup for this show was just awful. As a viewer, I felt so bad for these live audiences. They paid a pretty penny to watch half a show. The cherry on top was the Revival playing the Ascension and getting jobbed out to the Legends. What a disgrace. Laura from Vancouver, only 22 days into 2018, and we have blowaway frontrunners for best and worst shows of the year. Raw 25 was as bad as Wrestle Kingdom 12 was great. I felt sorry for the Manhattan Center crowd until they blew their chance to justifiably hijack the show. They were chanting for refunds off TV, but then they just lapped up the cheap nostalgia and gave WWE the on-air reactions the company was looking for. Cowards! (laughs) Wow. By the way... This coming October is the 1,000th episode of SmackDown, and next year is their 20th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you see them... I don't see them doing anything to this level. No, not to this level, but I definitely see them doing something. I think anything to spike a rating... I think they're going to celebrate both. Yeah. I would make the bigger one in the 20-year anniversary, though. Mm. Space that one out a little. Who do you bring back? You know what? SmackDown, that should be the one you try and get The Rock on. For SmackDown? That's not happening. On SmackDown? The Rock's not coming back for for that. Why wouldn't he? I just... For that big of a show? If you're The Rock, if you just watch this show, oh. there's no way you're coming back for something like I was that. so glad he wasn't a surprise oh at the end God. of this. Yeah. Anyway, we go to uh, the genius who says, I honestly thought this show sucked. WWE had a real chance to try to draw some laps fans back in with this show, and I think for 99% of it... People who, okay, I think for 99.9% of the people who no longer watch, this show made them say, why the hell did I ever used to watch this crap? I feel like neither live audience was probably happy with what they got. And he shows a photo of Jerry Lawler falling asleep. I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. He had nothing to do. They called uh, like a four-minute Hardy and Bray Wyatt match, a two-minute revival match. Mm -hmm. Am I missing anything? Were those the only matches at the Manhattan um, Center? Well, I guess they didn't call the 205 Live matches. No. Um, good question. And they did a bunch of throws. Yeah, was that... They only had two matches? Dude, they had two matches to call. There had to have been more. Am I missing any? No. No, I, I don't think you are. Wow. Next one. What a dismal show that, besides from a red-hot opening, did little to nothing to hype the rumble for the crowd. 
The fans, to their credit, stayed pretty responsive anyway. The women's match was okay, but nothing special, but that was much better than the offering the poor fans the Manhattan Center got. What a retirement... Was that a retirement speech from Taker? I don't think it was. A weird blow-off match between Matt and Bray that happened mostly during a break, a microscopic revival match, and a relative brevity of the icy title match meant that I felt rather foolish staying up for this show. 1.5 Ico Pro signs out of 10. We go to Lewis from Scotland. What a huge disappointment. I stayed up to watch this exciting something, this expecting something notable and was met with a, a substandard Raw filled with old acts and absolutely nothing of value outside Miz winning the IC title and set reigns up for the inevitable Rumble win. I feel really bad for the Revival for getting ascensioned and in general for the crowd at the Manhattan Center. John from Montana, I am trying to look at this show through the rose-colored glasses of a 16-year-old me, but to be completely honest, I thought this show sucked. The WWE had a real opportunity to bring back some of the lapsed fans by combining them to stuff. Did you read this one? No. Oh, this is just the same, uh, similar thoughts. Yeah. Um, a couple things I did like was the opening segment with Austin and Vince, and I did like the DX Balor Club segment because it gives Balor, Gallows, and Anderson the rub, but by the third hour, the WWE had crapped so badly on the crowd at the Manhattan Center that they didn't seem to be into the segment as much. Jesse from The Six, for all those worried about the revival getting buried, at Raw 1000, DX beat up and embarrassed Damian Sandow, and look at what a star he's become. This show was poorly executed and poorly thought out. The only thing I really liked was Elias getting some heat on Cena. The problem there, though, is that I think there's a pretty low ceiling for Elias given his in-ring limitations. This show did little to build to the rumble, and it did little to entertain me. Nostalgia is a toxic impulse. Matt Donnelly stayed up till quarter past four to watch this show and wish I'd just gone to bed early and listened to you chaps. None of the legends really did anything significant, and the most of the cameo segments being utterly pointless. I felt especially sorry for the likes of Eric Bischoff and Trish Stratus, who were brought out to wave at the crowd. Meanwhile, this show told us nothing that we didn't already know. Strowman likes throwing people through things, Oscars look going to dominate at the Rumble, and Jason Jordan is a bit of a knob. The biggest waste was the fact that The Undertaker's return wasn't used to set up a program with Cena, who in turn appears to be tied with the tiresome Elias for the time being. Kenrique, this was a lazy show. Nostalgia is a funny thing for WWE. They built their Im entire image off of what they've done before. Every fan has seen all the big moments in WWE history time and time again, so another entire show dedicated to it for three hours with not much other than, hey, remember this guy? Feels like a lame attempt to tell me about something you've already told me about a million times before. This show did nothing for me. Don't know if it did anything for anything. Omri from Israel. First time in a long while that I watched a WWE event live, and I have to say that it did not convince me to pull more all-nighters for this. Almost all of the show was in Brooklyn. We got a meaningless tag match only for the return of the Dudleys, and the Revival really did get the Ascension treatment. First hour was fun, but the rest just horrible. Three out of ten tag teams being buried. Chris from Melbourne, Australia. This would have to be the worst special edition of Raw I've ever watched. It was pretty much every special edition ever. A boatload of returns from the 80s, 90s, most of whom had forgettable TV time, forgettable TV matches, and today's superstars and a surprise championship change on TV. But most of all, I feel bad for the live crowd in Manhattan. God. Like, usually it's more of a balance to our feedback, but... No, this was... I really don't feel this is a case of people just being pessimistic or jaded. Like, this was... Certainly not. This was a highly anticipated show. And I feel most of the people that are writing into us could have come up with scenarios that... I wish I had put a thread up on the weekend of scenarios you would have liked to see on Monday's Raw. And I guarantee you, half of them would have been better than the stuff we saw. I have no doubt in that. 
And I think that's where the letdown is, is that people saw the opportunities for so much more. Whereas a bad raw is a bad raw. Those happen. How much do you think this has to do with maybe the idea that, like, I wonder how much, how much, how many of the people writing the show used to watch wrestling back when a lot of these people were around? Because none of this felt like it was written. Very little of it felt like it was written by somebody who was watching at the time. You know, very little of, of it felt like it was written by somebody who who isn't a recent fan of this stuff. Who only kind of knew the very casual attachments to uh, between a lot of these characters? Yeah, I, I mean, for a lot of the segments, I mean, yeah, you're gonna have like the whole writing system, but I mean, essentially, like these shows, for for better or worse, they come down to the editor at the top of it. I mean, that's that's where the success and the failures kind of lie upon. Dan from Deep Toronto. Howdy, buds. I wasn't too wild about tonight's Raw. It was one of those nostalgia-heavy shows that feels more like a variety show or dinner theater than a wrestling showcase. I love seeing the small touches at the Manhattan Center, like the Ico Pro banner and the fan that brought the silk stocking sign, but the segments and matches there left off and borderline uncomfortable. I was particularly bummed out by Taker's incoherent promo. At least there were enough fun gags that look good in a year-end highlight reel. Brandon from Oshawa. He has two questions. How do you guys feel about an MVP Apollo pairing? Seeing them next to each other during the main event again, angle, it made me think MVP would be should be brought back in to represent Apollo instead of the tightest worldwide garbage. That was Agnew's idea for the longest time of pairing those two together. I don't know if we'll see MVP back. Don't know. Either. Can't say he left an impression on me. Um, Derek from Chicago. What can I say? The show was pretty bad. The opening McMahon Stone Cold segment set the bar too high for the evening and was just a steady dissension. I get that this is a special show that isn't necessarily part of the WWE's canon. It is part of their canon. This is not a... They're not on an island for one week. Yeah, this was definitely... But correct me if I'm wrong. The last time we saw Christian on WWE programming, wasn't Seth Rollins trying to murder his best friend? Now they're okay and Seth had all the respect in the world for Christian. It was, remember? Yes. Uh, well, I'm, people change. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to see Jeff Hardy has been relegated to goof in the back who hangs out with the boogeyman. <laughs> That's so funny. <sighs> that reads really funny. Uh, he also mentions here, it's clear how far out of favor Hulk Hogan has fallen within the WWE ranks. Did you think at all that any of the Hogan interview was misdirection? Because As soon as that no. WWE statement was out, I think that was clear I they were not never working that. with him. Yeah. And could you have imagined him showing up on this show? Like, I, I don't even know what you would have done. He would have been the most newsworthy part of this show, 100%. He, if he showed up, I think he would have had a great reaction. Uh, at the same time, why? To do what? Like, I mean, it's... Especially on a day like today, you know? By the way, that, like, lighting up the, the um, Empire State Building, that's actually really cool. Like, the fact that they managed to, I guess, get them to celebrate this 25th anniversary of a TV show by lighting up the Empire State Building. So it was funny that um, I was listening to a podcast on Monday and they were mentioning that on Sunday, they lit up the Empire State Building with the colors of the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles after their wins on Sunday. And they were talking about how, like New York, they're always so insulated and only about themselves. I was like, it was amazing to see them acknowledge cities outside of New York. And then the next day, it's like, 
it's lit up to for raw of all things. Yeah. Like that that to me is way more impressive that they got yeah. that they worked that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to. We'll do a few more here because there there is so much here. Okay, let me let's do. Uh, there's so much of it, uh, and most of it is from you guys describing your disappointment. So I don't want to like go uh, too, I guess, uh, repetitive. But uh, let's go to uh, Dan from Long Island. Hi, John and Way. I was at the Barclays Center for the show tonight, and the only thing I'm feeling is completely baffled. While the Austin McMahon stuff was to open was fantastic, nothing else came close in terms of excitement for the rest of the show. It all just felt like another lackluster Raw, but with a few APA segments thrown in. The segments at the Manhattan Center particularly lacked anything and were hard to pay attention to due to the low volume of the speakers in the venue. They just hyped the massive show for a bunch of cheap pops and to say Raw 25 and to say Raw 25 over and over again. All right, let's uh, let's do one more here. I'm gonna go to Noah from Vaughn. This show, in my opinion, was destined to be a letdown. Aside from the Miz Reigns match, nothing in ring to really care about. I felt like they were overdoing it with the returning legends. I don't think Raw 1000 had these many legends appear. They did have a lot at Raw 1000. Not to this level. This was overkill. I thought the opening segment was really well done, and Undertaker returning was cool to see. However, his appearance didn't amount to much of anything. I couldn't help but feel bad for the fans that bought tickets. Uh, Last question here. What did you make of the Undertaker's promo, and what will it mean for him at WrestleMania? I answered this earlier. I mean, what did... What do you see as... I took it to mean that they don't really have exactly what they want for him yet uh, figured out. Otherwise, I feel like you would have you would have something. Some type of tease, some type of bait in there to get the audience talking and thinking. To me, this just seemed... To I did feel tonight was at least... It was at least step one. If you're going to do the story of he's walking away but you're going to have someone challenge him to one more match. You've at least planted the seed there, but I was expecting a lot more. For this, uh, by the way, for tonight's uh, show, for instance, um, last year the most watched Raw was 3.7 million viewers the night after Mania. What do you see the show averaging over the three hours? Last Does it hit year? 4 million? Um, What was the show last year? Was that the... What the night after WrestleMania. Oh, mm, I'm going to say no. You don't think it hits four? No. I think it's going to be like four to 4.1. Maybe I'm being optimistic. You know what Raw 1000 did? Mm-hmm. Three hour show, 2012. Why don't you guess? Okay, um, four, uh, 4.9. Six million plus. Ooh. Just over six million viewers. Well, not, they're not hitting that. It's a different time. It was five years ago. Six years ago. Almost. Different time in terms of ratings, I guess. Yep, I guess so. It's just uh, so many people there. They, they've lost the ability to watch television amongst all these years. All right. I think that is going to bring an end to the show. This is night one of a very busy post-wrestling Royal Rumble week. Our final bit of uh, news is the Royal Rumble pool, which is open now at postwrestling.com slash rumble. Now that Raw is in the books, I think everyone can go to town and enter their picks. The deadline is Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We will be announcing the winner on next week's Rewind to Raw coming out of the Rumble. So go sign up now. There's even a convenient button at postwrestling.com that you can click on. But postwrestling.com slash Rumble is where you can go to enter. Free to join, and the winner will be announced next week. That is it for us. We will be back on Tuesday night with Review uh, Smackdown. 
And Wei will share his thoughts on the Destiny wrestling card. There aren't too many thoughts. It was a fun show. Okay. Are you going to be watching anything else on Tuesday night? Uh, I might watch a bit of that mixed match. Shit. I had a hell of a time trying to track that down. Because it's not airing in Canada. Yeah. And the link I had didn't work. And I probably am not going to see it. Asuka and The Miz versus Carmella and Big E. Which... Isn't it amazing? Like, granted, that this week was probably not the easiest one to promote more stuff, but yeah. contrast last week's promotion to this week's for the Mixed Match Challenge. Oh, yeah. Like, it felt like this week it was already done. I'm a little curious to, to see what they'll do on 205 Live. Yeah, because I mean, that's a show that I'm sure it's all going to be thrown out the window now with, with mm-hmm. the Enzo situation. I think they should just vacate the title and keep things moving. I think they should vacate the show, dude. I think they should just, like, make the whole thing of the mixed match, mix, just turn it into superstars. You know, you already have gold dust on the show. Just open up the division and include the cruiserweights into the body of the show. Well, um, this is, like, the perfect time to just fold it, you know? This is, like, when BJ Penn left to go to Japan. Just <laughs> close the division. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to pursue this whole yeah. division. Wow. Yeah. 205 dead. Yeah. That's way of solution. All right. We will be back, folks. Uh, go to postwrestling.com. Thank you for listening, and that is it. Good night.